that's ever happened to me. God, there is nothing better than you. And I pray, God, today, every person here and everybody that's watching online, God, that you would help them to have that hope in you, that joy in you, that peace in you. In spite of anything that happens in our life, you are with us, and you are the best thing that's ever happened to me. God, I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. You may be seated. Welcome to Life Church 360. My name is Matt Morgan, and I get to be the lead pastor. And we are so glad that you're with us today. Uh, we are so excited about Easter and everything that God is doing in and through the church. We exist for one reason, to help all people build a life-giving relationship with Jesus. And that's all people who come and attend at the church here in person. That's all people that are watching online, all people who watch eventually online. It's all people in our community and around the world. We want to help you build a life-giving relationship with Jesus. We do it in four ways, and we call it life. Love God, invest in others, faithfully serve, and encourage the world. And when we look at Scripture, what does God want the church to be and do? You see that over and over and over. And so that's what we do. And our prayer is that you would connect. You would actually feel like you're a part of the church, that you get to be a part of Life Church 360. And you can start to connect, uh, first of all, with the church app. If you don't have the app on your smartphone, here's how you get it. It's on the screen. And with the app, you can manage everything that you would do at Life Church 360. We used to have a, a program, a piece of paper that we'd hand out here and say, here's what's going on. It's now all in the app. Um, one of the most important things on the app is that you would be able uh, to share your prayer request. And so every Wednesday as a staff, we meet and we pray over the prayer request that you actually submit. So that's really important to us. Um, you can even give using the app. So you can give online. So really everything we do is on the app. So get that. You can connect by Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all the different social media sites that are out there. You can also connect. Uh, and this is one of the greatest ways to really feel like you're part of a church, and that is to join a life group. And I want to put that on your radar screen because the spring life groups will be coming. It's not time to sign up yet, but they're going to be coming. And I want to encourage you uh, to get to become a part of a life group. Uh, today, I want to start the service with something kind of fun and different. And uh, I'm going to ask that you trust me for a minute. I promise you don't have to talk with anybody or touch anybody. Um, uh, my wife hates those greet times where you have to get up and talk to a whole bunch of people that you don't know. Um, so those of you who don't like that time, I'm not going to make you do that. But I am going to ask if you'll trust me for a minute and if everybody will stand up and I'll explain what we're going to do. You're not going to move. You're just going to stay where you are. Okay. So I'm going to explain it and then we'll do it. I'm going to have everybody close their eyes in a minute and then I'm going to have you point in a certain direction. And when you point in that direction, don't look at anybody else. Keep your eyes closed. And then I'm going to ask you to open your eyes. Keep pointing wherever you were pointed. Y'all promise to do that? All right, I'm going to be watching you. So everybody close your eyes and point to the north. Point to the north. Where's north? Okay, just wherever you think it is, point. Okay, now, now look. Everybody look. Okay, we got, we got a bunch of different directions. Uh, some people were looking, by the way. I saw you. Uh, very good. You may be seated. Okay, uh, most of you who were pointing, you thought the right direction, you were pointing that way. That's close. Okay, that's close. Um, that north is actually that way, if you, if you weren't really sure. And uh, have you ever been going a direction, and you're going in a direction, and if somebody were to stop and say, you're going the wrong way, you would go, no way. And you would just, like, swear on your life you were going the right direction only in fact to find out you weren't. Anybody done that before? 
I've done that before. So on your way out the door today, we're going to give you this nice little gift. It is a compass, and it has our logo on the back of it. This will help you kind of keep your bearings in life. And today what we're going to do is we're going to start a brand new series, and it's called True North, that the resurrection of Jesus is the centerpiece of all humanity, and he is the true north that will help you to navigate all of those steep you know, peaks of life that you go through. And in fact, we're going to talk about the resurrection today, and then for the next seven weeks, we're going to talk about these steep peaks and deep valleys that we go through, and how do you navigate that stuff in life. Uh, thinking of difficult things, as we prepared for the service today, for Easter services, we start talking about this stuff months in advance, like what's going to be the, 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 the series, and you know, how do we help people engage in church, and, and what will we do? I was acutely reminded that last year at this time, we were told no indoor services for Easter. Now, I don't know about you, but when they talked about COVID, you remember March, right? Like, it's like, we're going to have COVID. I thought, and I was dead wrong. I thought, you know what? By Easter, we'll be back. Like, it's like, it's, this is not going to be that long of a deal. Uh, they'll figure it out. We're going to, we're going to be fine. Let's just, you know, we're going to, and I was dead wrong, right? Because we were out for quite a while. And even today, as, as people are talking about, like, you know, post-COVID, we're really not talking about getting back to normal. It used to be, let's get back to normal. Now it's, what's the new normal going to look like? And, and there's a whole lot of hope. I mean, like, the, the vaccine, I'm told the news said this week, everybody in Washington will be able to get it by the 15th. You know, that's when it'll be available for everybody. And so that's a really good thing. Uh, we're still wearing our masks. I, I wonder how many people are going to wear them even after the vaccine. Like, you know, how's that going to, you know, what's going to happen? And, and what's going to happen with all of our social gatherings? And, and how does that work? And th the reality is this, this last year, we've experienced significant loss. And in a normal year, you still experience loss. I mean, you ever notice that? Like, in a normal year, there's relational things that happen in your life, and they're hard. Uh, there's, there's sickness. Everybody gets sick, and that, that kind of happens, and family members get sick. There's, there's money issues. The car breaks down, all, all that kind of stuff. Normal year, normal stress. But this last year has been, like, multiplied, you know, just over and over, and, and everybody's kind of been on this high alert. That, that this, this, the stress level, I mean, I have a friend going into the hospital tomorrow. He's having surgery, and his wife can't be with him. In fact, he's going to be in for three to four days. I can't even go. I'm a pastor. I can't go visit him. Right? I mean, like, his wife can't go visit him. His kids can't visit him. I can't visit him. I mean, how many people have had a loved one in the hospital this year, and they can't even go visit him? That's a lot of stress on you. You know, or, or how many people have had a, a loved one, they really love them, and there's supposed to be a funeral, and only a handful of people can go, or they even can't even have one. Or let's flip it to the good stuff. Like, I, I mean, how many people... Last year, we were one of them, missed high school graduation. My, my youngest daughter graduated from high school. No graduation. I mean, that's a bummer. I mean, it really kind of like makes you kind of feel like, yuck. Or sporting events that have been canceled. Kid, kids, like this is like, there, there's kids who've been playing sports their whole life, working out like crazy, going for college. They have the talent and all that kind of stuff. And, and they're literally, th the football season just ended. Right? Like some of the football teams, just five games. By the way, Lakewood went undefeated. Give Lakewood a huge hand. Yeah, they're our neighbors. That's pretty cool. Um, but I mean, think of those kids who have been playing, you know, for, and, and they want to go to college, and it's all abbreviated. 
right? My daughter last year, volleyball, and she's, you know, she's a, a volleyball kid in, in college. And, and, and how about like mile marker? When my mom and dad had their 50th, it wasn't last year, but we threw a huge party, 50th wedding anniversary. How many of those, they didn't get to have them? Right? I mean, I could just go on and on and on about things that we missed last year. And the reality is, whenever we suffer a loss, and it doesn't matter how big the loss is, any loss, you go through grief. And what grief does, depending on how much grief it is, it produces stress. And what stress does is it affects your emotional, relational, and even your physical well-being. In this past year, I don't know if you've experienced this, but we experienced it. Close family members, close friends. I mean, people you would go, we're tight, have like literally separated over just the idea of COVID. Is it real or not real? Like normally at Thanksgiving, there's things you don't talk about, right? We added COVID this year. Do not talk about COVID because there's you know, people there that have differing opinions and some of them are very, very opinionated about it. Even wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. Like, I mean, like that was a big deal. Close family members this last year turning on each other about their opinion over the police brutality. Like, right, some people are going, hey, you know what, this is a handful of police officers that, you know, like, not all police are like this, and, like, there's always going to be, think of the thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of, of officers, and there's a few of them that, that did this, right? Like, and there's other people like, no, they're all bad, you know, and, like, they just start fighting with each other, and it's about the people that, like, look after us. I mean, like, like our heroes in blue, racial issues, which racial issues have always been there, and I could see why it escalated to the height it is right now because of the extra stress that's on people. How about family members who are getting mad at each other over which candidate you're going to support? Right? I mean, like, that got really heated. Hate crimes, way up right now. Alcoholism, drug abuse, way up. Hate speech. Anybody like reading the Facebook stuff out there? It's like, man, people hate each other. We actually decided this year that that like just assume when when somebody's mad at you that they're having a bad day. Like you know, like you have friends out there and you're like, oh, oh they're having a bad day and you just kind of overlook it. We just decided to assume everybody's having a bad day, <laughs> right? So so when that person yelled at you at Costco in line, they're just having a bad day. It's just a bad day. Why? Because it's kind of a bad year. And this stress, it, it takes this toll on us. I'm not sure if you know it or not, but the political and the, the economic, the racial, the moral, the ethical environment in which Jesus was crucified and resurrected in, very similar to ours right now today. No pandemic, but the rest of it, it's there. See, the Jewish people, Jesus was a Jew. So his fellow countrymen okay, and women they were waiting, desperately waiting for the Messiah. The Messiah was going to come, and he was going to relieve them from the oppression that they had been under for hundreds of years under the Romans. And they wanted him to come, and what he would do is, is he would like take away all of their problems, all of their pressure, all of this like this suppression that they've had over hundreds of years. Many Americans today, they're looking to a political party to liberate them from what they perceive as oppressive. It's interesting how the two dominant parties, each one calls the other evil, 
and their party's going to liberate them from the others. You know, so like, you know, it's, it's flip-flopped this year. We went from Republican to Democrat, and now everyone's like, oh, well, wait, four years from now, you know, you know or even it'll take over even sooner, right? Like all this stuff that's going on. Why? Because people think that the government can fix it. In Jesus' day, they thought the same thing. The Jewish people believed that the Messiah would take over, he would establish his kingdom, and that would reestablish their dominance as God's chosen people. When Jesus came onto the scene and he performed the miracles that he performed, and he taught the word of God with the authority that he taught it, the people became convinced this is the Messiah. So on Palm Sunday, when Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, it's a week before the crucifixion, so literally this would be like last week. And all of the Jewish people from all over the known world, thousands of Jews descend on Jerusalem, and they're celebrating the Passover. Now the Passover is a remembrance of when God took their ancestors out of Egypt. They were enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. Moses goes down. The last plague, all of the firstborn males of Egypt would die. But the Jewish people put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, and the angel of the death angel will pass over your house. And they're remembering, they're celebrating. This is a very, very, very big deal. And Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And what's crazy about this whole thing that's going on is literally the religious guys, the leaders, they hated Jesus. And they hated him because more people were like interested in him and following him than they were the religious leaders. They're like, they could see this thing, t- you know, the tide was changing. The other people, the, the, like the commoners, they were like, they just thought this was the greatest thing in the world. They were so excited. Their prayers had finally been answered and finally they would be liberated. The Messiah is here. So in Matthew 21, Jesus rides into the city. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowd that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now, Hosanna, it's a Hebrew term, and it means save. So, Savior from the highest heaven has come. Oh, it was a great day. They were expecting a revolution to happen. But Jesus wasn't establishing his kingdom on the earth. Jesus was doing something much greater. That's why we're still talking about it today. That's why you're here. Now, the prophecy about the Messiah In the Old Testament, there's prophecy about the Messiah would come. There would be a new covenant. The covenant is how God relates to his people. One of the prophecies, especially that's very, you know, pretty much misunderstood by the Jewish people of the day was Jeremiah 31. It says this, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law on their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will already know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. 
Now, what was misunderstood about this is they believed this would be instantaneous. They believed the Messiah would come, establish his authority, and now everybody would know God. Everybody would believe in God. Everybody would obey God. So as a Jew, here's what they thought. Finally, everybody is going to behave the way we want them to behave. Finally, everybody's going to have our morals. Finally, everyone's going to follow our political agenda. Everyone is going to follow our laws. It's finally going our way. That's what they thought. They literally thought the government was going to save them. Jesus was going to take over. They thought it would begin with a revolution. A lot like when Joshua, like when, when they came up out of Egypt and they wandered the desert for 40 years and then Joshua takes them into the promised land, they take over everything. They kind of thought that might be the beginning of this thing. And then they would become the oppressors and everybody else would be the oppressed. They would be on top. Finally, they would win. Even his disciples believed this. That's why they argued about who was going to be the number two guy, right? They wanted to know, you know, like, I mean, hey, could I, when you're in like your glory, how about if I'm like your number two? Who could sit on the right and on the left? In Mark chapter 10, this is prior to Jesus going into the city, okay? So this is before what I just read, and he says this, they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. So here's what he says. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man, speaking of himself, will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. Okay, Jesus, like, I, I know that bad stuff, but here's the good part. And when the good part happens, can I be your number two guy? I mean, I was just thinking. I mean, like, you know, because you're going to take over, like the Messiah, this is going to happen. And I just thought maybe, you know, I would, like, you know, think about me. Jesus was like, you don't, that, you guys just don't get it. See, a lot of people today have a very similar mindset. A lot of people today think, well, if I believe in Jesus, and I believe in God, and God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all and he could do anything he wants, and he loves me, well, nothing bad's going to ever happen to me anymore. Because if I love somebody, I would never let anything bad happen to them. So if God loves me, nothing bad will ever happen to me. I'm going to have the greatest life ever. It's just going to literally be panacea. No harm to Matt Morgan because I'm a God follower. And they forgot. Jesus told them what was going to happen. Even he went through pain and suffering. See, he was doing something much more powerful than simply making them comfortable for the short time they would live on the earth. This place has fallen in sin. There's no way out of it. Except there's a way through it with Jesus. 
Jesus was doing something eternal. Jesus said to Pilate, remember when he went before Pilate after he'd been arrested? Look what he says in John 18. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Do you remember his disciples did try to fight? Peter takes a sword, cuts off the, the officer's ear. Jesus said, put the sword away. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. He heals the guy, and he goes off, and he's arrested. Interesting, right? These guys thought that they were going to take over. They wanted Jesus to liberate them by defeating their enemies. They had lost for centuries. Now it was time for them to win. Loss, when we experience loss, we talked about all the loss this last year, it often pushes us into a win-lose mentality. Even the threat of loss can trigger the most powerful emotion known to man. Do you know what the power, most powerful emotion to man is? F-E-A-R. Yep. Greatest motivator there is. Fear initiates that fight or flight mechanism in our brain. It activates the adrenal glands in the hormones needed to survive an attack. Human thought is dominated by winning or losing. If one wins, another must lose. Jesus came to give us the ability to conquer even the greatest fears. Zig Ziglar said this about fear. I love this. Zig Ziglar says, forget, fear stands for forget everything and run or face everything and rise. You can forget everything and just run or you can face it and rise. The crucifixion of Jesus produced both of these responses. First, the crucifixion caused the disciples to forget everything and run. Jesus told his disciples he would be spit on, ridiculed, and crucified. We just read that in Mark chapter 10. At the Last Supper, all of his disciples pledged to never disown him, even if they have to die. You might go, well, no, only Peter did that. Actually, they all did. Peter denied him three times, but all of them pledged the same thing. In Matthew 26, it says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all... All these guys, yeah, they fall away on account of you, even if all of them, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die, I'll never deny you. And all the other disciples said, the same. Yeah, I'm in. I'm not going to leave you. Look what happens when he's arrested. Matthew 25, 56. Just jump down to verse 56. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. A little different when, like, you know, the heat is on, right? In verses 6, 9 through 75, Peter denies Jesus three times, just as Jesus told him he would, and then he disappears in chains. Jesus is then crucified. He's entombed for three days, and he resurrects. Now, the four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all talk about when Jesus appears to hundreds of people over a certain amount of days. There's no doubt that Jesus rose from the grave. Some of the most significant moments are when he appears back to his disciples. Now, his disciples, they were the first ones to go to the tomb. Mary, 
Peter, John, right? They went to the tomb. They know that he is risen, but he's not with them all the time. He kind of would come in and out of the scene. So his disciples, they don't know what to do. So Peter, James, John, they went back to what they always did. Let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. Do you know what we often do in fear when we forget everything and run? We go back to what we know. Because it's what we've always done. It's just the way, it's our natural gravitational pulse. And so these guys decide, we are going to go fishing. In other words, they had forgotten what Jesus has told them. That he would be crucified. And he was. That, that he told them that they would all fall away. And they did. He told them that he would rise from the dead. Now, this is amazing. He didn't just say, I would rise from the dead. He said, in three days. And he did. They forgot about all of the miracles that he had done. And follow me, and I'm going to show you how to fish for people. And, and go and reach people for me. And you're going to do all this. And they forgot all of it. Let's just go fishing. For some crazy reason, they went back to what they knew. I'm going to assert fear. They were afraid they were disqualified or they were unloved because of their failure to die with him. They were afraid maybe Jesus was angry with them or ashamed of them or he was so disappointed in them that he no longer accepted them. You ever felt that way before? I bet we all have. So what did they do? They forgot everything he taught them, and they ran. I want to show you what Jesus does next. It's in John chapter 21, and it's the big story where the guys are out fishing, and they hadn't caught anything all night, and there's a guy on the shore, and he goes, hey, you catch anything? And they go, no. He goes, put the net on the other side of the boat. And they're like going, the fish go under the boat. Like, I mean, like, but okay. And so they do, and they have this huge catch, and John goes, it's the Lord. Peter goes, you got to be kidding me. He jumps out of the boat. He swims to the shore. Jesus is making lunch or breakfast, whatever. And as they're eating, look what happens. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, theologically, people debate. Is he saying, do you love me more than the other disciples? Because he said he would never, you know, he would even die. But remember, they all did. So other theologians say, no, more than fishing. Do you love me more than these fish? I kind of lean that direction. Would you rather fish for fish or fish for men, like I called you to do? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. But Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, my Jesus. Why do you think Jesus asked three times? Peter denied him three times. 
see, he wanted Peter to remember this. And you guys, we all do it. We all do it. He wanted him to remember. You promised this, but you didn't do that. And I am restoring you even in the middle of it. Feed my sheep. In other words, stop running. Remember everything I taught you and start facing everything in front of you. We got to pause for my story for a second. I wonder if possibly in this last year, in all of the chaos, have you forgotten everything and started running from the Lord? Have you forgotten what He's taught you? And have you returned back to some of the things that you used to know? And quite possibly, you feel shame. And you might feel like He's mad at you. Or you might feel like you've disqualified yourself. Or He's just not even going to have anything to do with you anymore. I believe you're here today because it's time for you to return. To start facing everything and rising. See, courage is facing everything and rising. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is staying the course in the face of fear. It's moving forward. The crucifixion of Jesus, it should remind us that the losses we face on earth are only temporary. Jesus did not come to remove the temporary suffering of his countrymen, nor did he come to remove ours. Jesus came to remove eternal suffering. Jesus' death is the seed that produces the eternal harvest. See, what Jesus said in John 12, this is before the triumphant entry. Okay, this is before all of the events. He's talking to his disciples. Having their last dinner together. I guess it's after the triumphant entry. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. What does that mean? Jesus was helping them understand something they already knew. You ever seen wheat? It's got all those kernels on it. He says, take one kernel, my life. Let it fall to the soil. And it will grow up. And it will produce more wheat. In fact, that one can feed the world. The dirt of our life. what provides the soil, the nutrients, the food. Do you know what fertilizer is made of? That's our sin. We often think, and this is a mistake, I need to clean my life up of all the dirt, and then I'll go back. And Jesus is saying, That's good soil. I can use that junk. 
fact, it's through the death the harvest comes. So I want to say to you, you've been running. Just forgotten what he's taught you. Here's your moment. You get to return. And just it just starts with a prayer. It's a prayer of repentance. Jesus, will you forgive me? I've blown it, Jesus. And you might go more than three times. Then he'll just ask you a hundred times if he needs to. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And say, Jesus, will you be the leader of my life? This little trinket we're going to give you. I hope it means something to you. It's the direction for your life. Put this somewhere where it just reminds you, he's my direction. Not where I'm pointing, it's where he's pointing. He's the bearing of what life is all really about. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to follow his direction. Over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about how do you navigate these, these extreme peaks and valleys of life. Like this last year, you might go, how did you navigate that? staying in his word, following his lead. And I haven't done it perfectly. It's actually been very difficult. But he will direct you. We're going to celebrate baptisms this morning. And if, if you are here and you, have, you weren't planning this, but you'd like to get baptized, you can slip out right now. There's a baptism table, clothes and towels. You can get baptized. But baptism is the public declaration that you've given your life to Jesus. And so the water, what it represents is just like Jesus died on the cross, you die to yourself. And just like Jesus rose from the grave, you rise a new creation in Christ Jesus. I die to myself, I rise with Jesus, and I'm a new creation. And I'm going to face everything and rise. I want to pray in just a moment to give you that opportunity to just resubmit your life to Jesus. Or maybe for the very first time, give your life to him. As we get ready to close the service, we do our tithes and offerings at the end of the service. If you're new, don't feel like you need to give. Thank you for being here. It's our gift to you. Just no, no problem at all. Just get your keychain on your way out the door. Um, if this is your church home and this is where you give your tithes and offerings, the ways you do that is, one, you can text to give. It's on the screen. You can also uh, give online. That's on the screen. You can give on the way out the door. There's a box on the door there. There's also buckets. Um, well, people just send in a check. But we didn't do the service for money. What we did the service for is this prayer right now. So if you'll bow your heads, Jesus, we bow our heads. And I just want to pray this prayer, Jesus, for anybody that's here right now. And if this is you, you just say this to the Lord in the quietness of your heart. Jesus, I've kind of forgotten. And I've been running. And I just ask you to forgive me of all my sins. You know there are many. And Jesus, I pray that you would forgive me and that you would lead me. You would be the leader of my life. I put my life in your hands and for your direction. And I thank you for that right now. Help me to grow in you and to know you this morning. To face everything.
give you my life and thank you. I love you, Father. Thank you.